Welcome back to the Bearded Barbell Podcast. This is the place to go for quick, easy, actionable health and fitness advice and information. On the, mo- on the mic right now is Coach Tony, and across the table from me is Coach Willie. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well, Coach. How are you doing? I am doing well. We've had a busy week. We've had a lot of stuff going on. We've seen each other way more often than yeah, we, we normally do, which I is not it. a bad thing at all. <laughs> um, you know, we... This past Monday, we had our first interview on someone else's podcast. So we were on the Let's Talk podcast with Gail Zundine. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can check that out if you'd like to. But we talked to them about a lot of the same stuff we talk about here, right? Um, We just kind of went over the basic foundations, the basic stones that we lay on this podcast. Yeah, we talked with some really two, two cool guys, you know. Got to meet Dean on later on in the podcast, but, uh, you know, um, we got down to why we are the Bearded Barbell, and it was kind of great. I, I really liked, because he asked us some questions, you know, how we how we originally met, how we got started as this, and it's kind of like some stuff we didn't, we haven't touched on our own show, so it's definitely worth giving a listen to if you guys are interested in uh, learning a little bit more about uh, Coach Tony and, I and uh, getting some, um, some bonus material. I think we actually, there's some good, you guys, Coach Tony... Push me aside. You know how I usually get on my soapbox here, and I I get loud and everything. No, actually, it kind of we were in the reverse seats that day. He pushed me aside and was like, "Nope, I'm taking the soapbox on there," and went off on Gatorade. You yeah. guys have got to listen to that. This is a good little rant. Coach Willie had some had some soapbox moments too, so I didn't have all the fun. He had some fun too. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was a it was a great show. Great dudes. Um, definitely, it was definitely fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. And um, check out their show. Uh, check out the check out the episode that we're on. Check out their show. Um, definitely some some good guys and some good uh, some good shows. Yeah, uh, I know, Coach. You went to the movies this weekend. What'd you see? I saw Elvis. Yeah, how was um, that? Oh, I loved it. I I'm an Elvis fan. You know, um, I know there's some people out there that aren't Elvis fans, but um, I suggest even if you're not an Elvis fan. Get in there, see it. It's very entertaining. It's the format of it is a little different. It's not um, if you ever seen Walk the Line by like Johnny Cash or yeah, uh, the, yeah. you know from two thousand three, I think when that movie came out. Um, that one was a really, I was more like one, a really great movie. I love Johnny Cash. Um, I expected more of like you know that kind of format. Like this happens, this happens, this happens. Uh, it comes from more of a storyteller's, and I'm not trying to turn you off to the movie, guys. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but it comes more from a different like format and it's really interesting it keeps you really drawn into it i i really enjoyed it it was it was it it really taught you a lot about you know not only uh elvis himself but but basically i, I kept you know I, I know if you're a listener you're not a wrestling fan you're gonna be like Ugh. but i kept i kept referencing like oh, that's a lot like like how wrestling is when they refer to you know capturing somebody's emotion it's not about yes. it's not about mm-hmm. you know the music it's not about the move it's about making somebody feel something you know and um and so there and well it, i don't want to give away anything but it starts out um i want to say he started out almost like wrestling did as a carnival act you know and um and that's basically what music was back in the 50s 40s through 50s it was just you know a touring carnival act kind of like how they do the rodeo circuits now so it was really cool to see 
what happened, how that happened, and especially going back to those times before technology and how people reacted to things before, before like before the internet. Yeah, before you, yeah, before you saw a picture of a, of the guy, before you could just download a song, you actually had to go out and buy a record or listen to the radio yeah. all day long. But and I hear you went out to go see a movie yourself. Yeah, the the girlfriend and I went out. We saw Thor on Sunday, so we went to flicks brew house which if you don't have one in your area it's basically a movie theater where they have a full food menu so they bring you food they've got beer they've got drinks all that stuff so it's you know instead of doing like dinner and a movie separate you basically roll it into one uh thor was really cool it was real awesome it was it was about what you'd expect for a thor movie it was <laughs> a lot of fun it was a good ride um yeah if you're if you're going to see it just the only thing i'm going to say about the movie because i know it just came out and i don't want to spoil anything the only thing I'll say is enjoy the laughing goats. That's it. It's the only <laughs> thing I'm going to say about the movie. If you want to know more, you have goats. to go see uh, the movie. I will say that this is one of those movies that has two extra scenes in the credits. So you got one pretty early in the credits. And then if you want to watch the second one, you have to wait all the way through to the end of the credits. I know sometimes we're not sure if there's one or two or where they are. I'll say that much. But I'm not going to say what's in them or anything like that. Oh, that was a good tip. Thank you for that. Because yeah. I never know when I, you know, when I'm waiting. I'm like, God, do we wait? But now, now any kind of movie, I just wait for everyone to leave them to come in. The guy to start sweeping. I, that's me in the movie theater yeah. now. Marvel. I think Marvel taught us to just sit all the way to the end, no matter what the movie is. So yeah, they got us well trained. Wow. Yeah. Um, without obviously without um, giving anything away, do I? I'm way behind on Marvel. I'm like so far behind. If I go see Thor, will I still enjoy it? Yeah, or, you'll still enjoy it. So this was so my girlfriend really hadn't seen much of the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. I think she's seen one or two of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. She hadn't seen any Thor, and oh, okay. So we went in. I gave her a, a little bit of a of a MCU Thor history lesson, and it turned out it really wasn't even necessary because uh, Korg, the giant rock creature, actually gives you like an. Uh, catch you up to speed type of story where he explains like where how thor got to earth and all that stuff and explains like the history between thor and jane foster and how they came together and, and all that so okay it's okay. yeah i think they're and i was thinking about that in the theater before the movie started i'm like i think we're far enough in marvel right now where they might want to think about doing something to help catch people up to speed that maybe didn't get in mm -hmm. back, you know, when Iron Man came out in like 2006 or 2008, whenever that was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just so people don't have to go back and watch where we at now, like 30 movies. I think Iron Man was actually like 2002. Yeah, maybe. It, maybe it, it that like 20 years ago. Like, so we got because that's what I was, I, I, you know, I I skip out on a lot of the, the series, like a lot of the TV shows. So I miss like WandaVision. I've missed like a lot of, I haven't seen, I haven't been caught up on Doctor Strange. I saw the original mm -hmm. um, Doctor Strange and I know that ties a lot of the MCU in like um, not much, but I know that that has a lot to kind of do with the, the timelines yeah. and such. So I, I, I know that like each movie I miss, I'm like, oh man, am I getting that further dead behind? Like, oh man. And you know, with these movies, they're two, three hours long. So it's, it's hard to play catch up when you get so yeah. far behind, but I, you know, and they I, pump them out so fast. Yeah. There's so many different characters and stories that you're, that they're telling at the same time. And, and well, and being, being a comic book fan and being a fan of these, these actual, these heroes, um, I, you know, I know where they're at in Thor more or less, not in the movies, but more or less in the storyline from the comic books. And I see some of the, the, the previews that I saw, 
I was like, okay, so they went that way with her. Yeah. And and so I was like, okay, okay. And that's why I was asking because I'm really interested in going and seeing it. So I was like, yeah. man, do I have to play catch up or can I just go, you know, or is that, you know, next ticket I'm buying is going to be Thor then. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can go see Thor and you'll be fine. You won't feel, you won't feel lost or anything like that. There's not really a whole lot that gets referenced in the movie where it's like, oh yeah, you had to see this other movie to get what's going mm-hmm. on. Okay. They, they kind of, they kept that the story in Thor pretty isolated from the rest of Okay. The, the okay. big big story right yeah because i know that now they're tying it in with guardians of the galaxy because he ran off with that crew and yeah. all that stuff so i was like man i'm kind of i've seen those ones but those are the kind of ones where i'm like i don't remember too much from those yeah episodes. and they're the guardians are in the movie for a little bit mm-hmm. but you really don't need to see okay either of the of their movies to understand anything about their part in this movie Good it's stuff. like it's it's pretty it's pretty well separate from everything else well that seals it i guess we're gonna go see uh Thor, Love and Thunder. There you go. That's that's uh, Coach's challenge for the week before he lays one out for everybody else. Oh, the movie challenge. I always get the watching challenges. I never get the fun physical challenges, <laughs> the ones I'm good at. So, uh, any other news on your side? I, I know you have a big day or a big week this week, especially yeah. you. We, we, did the, we did the podcast. I, I've seen you more times this week than you'd probably like to see me. Um, Nonsense. We've, we've been discussing a bunch of new stuff for the Bearded Barbell. I know we, you know, we got some stuff coming. And, um, and uh, you have a big day coming up. So, yeah, this, you know, it's Thursday right now as we're recording. It's July 14th. So, in two days' time, I. I'm taking off the muscle shirt for Bearded Barbell, and I'm putting on the tights for uh, Turbo Tony because it's time for me to compete in a uh, in a world heavyweight championship match, or rather just heavyweight championship match. So I've got that to look forward to on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be wrestling a wrestler here in Albuquerque. Uh, his name's Thunder. We're going to be having I'm, – I'm really just going to beat the crap out of him for a while and take his championship. And that's that's the long and short of that. So if you want to see the match, by the time you hear this, the match will have already come and passed. So maybe there'll be some clips online. Uh, maybe I'll put up some pictures and some videos on social media so you guys can see how it all goes down. Yeah, by the time this comes out, we're just going to be kind of celebrating that moment. But uh, we got a big weekend coming up. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm going to be there. And uh, hopefully... Uh, Next episode is going to be the celebration episode. Yeah, you know, and I know time. we're going to most likely be seeing some of the listeners at the show. So I know, and I know one of them has been working on a goal lately. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Let's bring him up. Thank you for mentioning it. Um, uh, this one, this is a big shout-out going to a listener, close friend of both of ours uh, now, um, wrestling fan as well. Uh, ben, if you're listening, man, this shout outs for you. Ben, guys, uh, started training Ben uh, more than, what is it, in February? So we're looking here at five months, uh, five months of training, strength training, and he's really been killing it, really great results, just moving forward. And uh, yesterday, he actually tackled a huge goal when he first set out, when he first, when we first had this talk, he wanted to deadlift over 300 pounds. And uh, last night, he sent the video, we posted it. I'm proud sharing it. Uh, he, I mean, perfect form, just killed it. Congratulations, Ben. That that was yeah. amazing. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if the doubt was real, but when we first talked to, uh, about this, you were doubting your strength. 
you know, I'm talking to you straight here, man. You know, you were doubting your strength and um, and your 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 bench, your squat, your your deadlift, and just and just just in the couple weeks they jumped, and then now looking back on it on something that you probably were kind of hesitant, didn't think it was gonna come. Now you're deadlifting 315 and moving forward. So congratulations on that, my man. Yeah, and I saw the video after you posted it, and then he shared your post with it, and mm-hmm. you know. He got it up and he made it look kind of easy too. So I know mm-hmm. he's still got more in the tank. So I hope he keeps working on that, keeps getting stronger there and keeps getting stronger anywhere else he wants to get stronger too. Mm-hmm. So great job, Ben. Yeah, great job. Great job, man. My hat's off to you. You know, and I, I think that that's going to start bringing us to our new um, topic for this week. Um, not necessarily saying Ben had this, but, you know, when you do start looking on a goal, you might not. It might seem too big for you might seem like it's too much. What do you what do you have to say about that, coach? Yeah, so, you know, we were talking about what we're about to get into for this week. I thought about how first off, I thought about how common it is, even mm-hmm. though we tend to think it's super rare. Like when we're dealing with it, we tend to think we're alone in this, right? I'm I'm talking about imposter syndrome, which is really it's that that feeling like you you know when you go someplace new like for example when you get a new job and you're you're making your way around you're learning the things about the job and you feel overwhelmed and you start having those feelings of well i don't even think i belong here or you start having thoughts of you know what's going to happen when people find out i'm a fraud or people find out that i don't that i'm not as good as they think i am and they want to get rid of me or they want to take everything away and you know it's something that we tend to think is maybe not as common as it is and so you know i wanted to open up first off by talking about how the opposite right how absolutely common it really is so you know we tend when we think about anything when we see that it's more common we tend to feel a little more at ease about it because we go okay that's just part of being human as it were right and this is no exception to that so you know, we, we talk about, you know, when you start on a new health journey, when you're, for example, first going into the gym, you feel like you don't belong there because you walk in, depending on the gym, you know, you see the people that have been there for a long time. So they're strong. They look a certain way. They're lean. They got muscle. And, you know, if you're just getting in the gym, there's a chance you, you don't look like them. You don't perform the way they do, which is fine, right? That's not good or bad. It just is. That's just the way it is. But, you know, when you see all those people that have been putting in time and have been putting in work, we, we start think we start doubting ourselves. We start going, okay, well, I don't belong here if I have to be here with those people because they're much stronger and I don't want to get in their way. I don't want to inconvenience them. Even though, you know, it's a gym, it's just as much your right to be there as it is theirs. You know, everybody has a place there and, and all that. So the, the thing is, you know, even the people that have the muscle and, and are lean and, and all that, and are super strong, they probably have some degree of imposter syndrome too, because, Mm -hmm. you know, they may be looking to somebody that's stronger and they're like, well, crap, I don't belong here because I'm not as strong as that other person. It basically leads down to, you know, that comparison thing, which is not necessarily always the best route to go. But a lot of times we just have those thoughts about ourselves. And so I think in addressing how common it actually is, we can talk about how you know, first off, I still deal with it to this day. Like I get in a wrestling ring and I'm like, I don't know if I belong here. I'm one of those people that goes to the gym and I have a decent, right? Like I'm not world level type strength, but I have a decent amount of strength. And I walk in and I see people that are lifting more and I'm like, first off, 
that's awesome to see somebody lift that heavy. But I'm like, man, I don't know if I belong here because I don't lift that much and that sort of thing, right? Or I don't look a certain way. Yeah, I went to a nutrition conference, a nutrition coach conference back in April. And, you know, I'm walking in and I'm still fairly new-ish to coaching. And so I walk in and I'm like, I don't, you know, I, I kept to myself somewhat because I'm like, well, I don't want people to find out that I don't know everything and I don't want people to feel or, or to find out that I'm not in as good a shape as they are and, and you know, thoughts like that. And one of the presenters actually talked about imposter syndrome. So I was like, oh, he also feels that way. And this is the guy that ran the whole show and, and runs the whole company that put the event on. So, you know, there you can see that it's at least somewhat common. And then you can even look to famous people. You can look to, you know, some professional wrestlers. Again, Coach Willie and I are big wrestling fans. So <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we talk about when it comes to, you know, things in the public are going to tie back to wrestling. That's part of what you're signing up for on the Beard to Barbell podcast. So, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about somebody like The Undertaker, who's mm -hmm. super, he's super famous, super talented. He's been around wrestling for, what, three decades by the time he retired. And, you know, there's a story of just a few years, just a couple years ago where, you know, he was getting ready to make his entrance at a WrestleMania and he was doubting himself. And this is somebody that's been, you know, through the fire, through the trenches. He's wrestled with broken bones. He's broken eye sockets, everything. Right. And everybody loves him and everybody knows that everybody loves him. But still, you know, sometimes when you're sitting there by yourself and you're just getting ready to do something especially if it's something big those thoughts can still come in even at that high level you know they're even actors like tom hanks have been you know recorded as saying something similar like being afraid of being found out as a fraud and this is tom hanks right he's one of the mm -hmm. nicest people on earth and he's been in countless movies and he's crushed it in every role he's been in you know another one another person that comes to mind is you know somebody like lady gaga also right like great performer, super creative, super talented, but still has those thoughts. So, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it points more to the fact of, I don't know that we necessarily have a formula to really stop it from happening, but I think there are ways and things we can do to learn how to manage it and still push through. What do you think, coach? Oh, I love this topic. Cause I, I it's common, like you said, and going back to people like Tom Hanks that feel this way, you think about it, and it, this kind of gives me imposter syndrome, like, who do I think I am? Tom Hanks, look at this guy, this guy was in Saving uh, Private Ryan, this guy is Forrest Gump, yeah. this, you know, he was in Big, you name off his movies, they're not just, he's not just an actor, he's the actor, and he doesn't believe he is, you know, he he, he has trouble, I, I read that same article, and in that article, he had he, he said he looks around sometime and he says, how did I get here? How, like, what do you mean? How did you get here? The hard work, yeah. man. Like, it's like you're Tom freaking Hanks. Yeah, what do you mean? How did you get yeah, here? Yeah, like go check your ID. And then, and um, you know, like like Coach said, it's it comes with, with the territory of Bearded Barbell Podcast. We talk wrestling here. I'm going to talk about Bianca Belair. Um, she is currently the women's, the Raw Women's uh, Champion. Raw Women's Champion of the WWE. It's a mouthful. Yeah, and I mean, basically the head, the head biatch. You know, she's she's top line. You know, she she is the woman, and um, 
she she's won back to back WrestleManias. She's this her athleticism alone should make her feel like she belongs in to, the top of any sport, any sport, any sport that is, is where that involves strength and speed. This woman would dominate because that's just who she is. She's I'm a lot of men would want her strength. I mean, she is absolutely gorgeous. She is talented. She's great on the mic. She can draw a crowd. She has this huge smile that just lights up the crowd. She obviously belongs where she is. Yeah. And I mean, I was reading through the the quotes, and she she was having some issues with that. She was saying like, um, you know, even uh, it was like WrestleMania. She was thinking like she didn't belong there. Like, like you won last year. You were here last year. Why aren't you? Why don't you feel? And she had some tips of like, you know, she, she said, you asked for this. This was your dream. This is what you wanted. When you set out on your first goal, this is what you wanted. And now she feels like she doesn't deserve it. And, um, you know, for her, like she said, you know, this is what I wanted. You asked for this. Don't apologize for it. And I think that that's big is don't apologize for it because, when you think about like the sweat, blood and tears that you put into something, regardless of what that is, your hard work at the job you do, your, your parenting, everything. I, I know a lot of parents, they feel like they might even have that. Like they might not think that they're a great parent. They might think that their kids would be, you know, better off with a better parent, whatnot. I just, you know, I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we're actually doing. We don't look back and say like, this is all the hard work we've actually put in, you know, all that, you know, life isn't just, I mean, life is just hard. Life is life. But, you know, when you're, when you're facing towards a goal, you can look back and say like, that struggle, that's you, you know, that's your deserving moment. And it's, it's hard. Like, I, I think she, she put into perspective when she said, you asked for this, you worked for it. Now you have it. Don't apologize for it. And it's hard to think that when you have this, this, this imposter syndrome, um, you, you mentioned going into the weight room and not, lifting as much as the other guys or not, um, you know, not performing at the top of what you think you could perform at. And I, I completely understand that, you know, like me, I, I train on a physical level to where I try to train for more of a physique, more of like a, like filling out muscle, uh, hypertrophy, all that. And so then it, it starts to hit my head. Like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of body dysmorphia and it's a little bit of, you know, you know, do, am I just really playing myself? Am I really just in here pretending, you know, am I, am I wasting my time? Am I, you know, am I, am I looking like a fool? Yeah. And I think that that's my, my big thing is that, is that, you know, here I am and I think I'm in this position, but really I just look like a fool to everyone else, you know? And really it's just like, I'm perceiving me as, okay, maybe I'm in this position, but then I look around and it is, it's that self doubt. Like, well, what did I do to get here? What, you know, and then, then I start to think, well, you worked pretty hard, you know, but then I kind of just, it is, you step back in that moment and you, for me, it's a thing of body dysmorphia. You know, I look back and I'm like, man, all this, this work, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm, this guy's benching 405. I've been at the gym for this long. I've been strain training. Why am I not benching that? You know, yeah. why am I not? Um, I've been deadlift, dead, the deadlift, it, it really, like when I see somebody else deadlift, I love deadlifts. I love watching other people deadlifts. I love cheering people on for other deadlifts. But then I start to think about like, you know, like, 
you know, why am I saying that I'm strength training? Why am I saying I'm, I'm power lifting or, you know, deadlifting when I had clear, like, sometimes I feel like I clearly don't have, you know, the, the means to even be there. Yeah. But then, then I start to think about it. And it's like, when I tell my clients, they, they talk about like the way my gym is, there's two sections to it. And there's the cardio section with some, uh, with the machines. And then it's, then it's blocked off or there's like a little walkway and you have your weight area. Mm -hmm. You have all your heavy, um, dumbbells. You have your benches. Yeah. All the free weight. Yeah. Just, just really. And it, it, it looks intimidating. I could, and for, for the, for us, we walk in there and we're like, okay, let's get to work. You know, this, this is just a facility that has all this equipment, nothing. But then I learned that some people, they look at that and they, they were calling it the big boy room. I was like, why is it the big boy room? Like, yeah. that's the how to get big boy room. Like, and like, and they wouldn't step in there. I'm like, you belong in here just as much as anyone else. Like, there's only one way to get there and it's this way. And, and I, I don't know what is an intimidating factor of that. Like, I mean, obviously it's the intimidating, but is it like, like you said, is it the fact that like, oh, I'm just not, I'm not fit enough to be here. Well, yeah. it, it, it's like when you have to sit back and it's like, well, this isn't a comp. The gym is not a competition. It's not this place where you go and they're going to rank you and say, okay, this guy didn't work out hard today. No, it's the place to where you go and learn how to do that. Yeah. It's like going to school and saying, well, I don't belong in school because I'm not the smartest person here. Well, that's why you're in school, you know? And I think, but yeah, we talked about that before, like things like that on a, on a past episode of, you know, waiting to save money until you have money Mm -hmm. sort of thing or you know yeah waiting to waiting until you get strong to go to the gym and it's like well the gym is there exactly to get strong yeah that's the reason for and i think i think what we talk about here and all is always going into that conscious thought of it and thinking okay why do i feel like i can't do this yeah and that's i think why we bring up imposter syndrome because there are those people that that feel they need to be in these negative like lifestyles like they 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 perpetually put themselves like okay they make the bad choice knowingly making the bad choice for for even for what reason they might not even know yeah i think like it might be the imposter thinking like maybe if i if i put myself to a higher standard i i don't know if i can live up to a higher standard yeah do you think there's maybe somewhat of a of a tribal aspect to it meaning when you know when somebody who's new to the gym walks in they have that self-doubt they start feeling like they start questioning whether or not they belong right do you think it comes from i think it might actually come from two different areas as i start saying it out loud but do you think it's you know we don't want to try to go into the gym and go into the weight section the quote-unquote big boy room and try to lift and then get you know thrown out this of course is never going to happen but we are afraid of you know not being strong enough and then you know getting thrown out of the of the gym because Mm -hmm. we're not strong enough even though that's like that's never going to happen and if it does happen at a gym they just did you a favor never go back to that gym go find another one yeah and the other side is there's there's also this aspect that i see when people are making changes and they're making improvements in their own life which is another aspect of that same tribalism where you know when you're at a particular station in life you end up subconsciously building your life around it to support it so Mm -hmm. you know you you surround yourself with people and things and places that support the lifestyle that you have now 
when you try to make changes to that lifestyle, now it puts in jeopardy those relationships and those things and those places because there's a chance that they may not fit as well with where you're going as they did with where you were. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, we can see that as people that don't necessarily like, they don't consciously say, well, I don't want to make this change because I'm afraid of what it can do to this relationship that can actually come across sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think that's more of a subconscious thought. And, you know, people that are outside of you, right? People that make up that environment can also subconsciously see that those are the people that will say, you know, they'll try to talk you out of making those changes. They'll try mm -hmm. to stop you from making those changes because they mm -hmm. can feel they don't necessarily consciously see what's what's happening, what's changing, but their their egos and their subconscious mind pick up on the change. And they and, you know, that's when people try to make changes with themselves, like the way that maybe they process emotions or the way that they just deal with people or the way they manage stress and that's when other people can come back and say, man, you've changed. Mm -hmm. And they'll say it to make it seem like it's a bad thing, right? Because you've changed. And it's like, well, maybe I have changed, but that's kind of the goal, right? Like yeah. I'm trying to make some changes because I'm trying to affect something else. And there's going to be some changes that need to take place. Yeah. I, and I, I, we've mentioned like, you know, the, the, the misery loves miserable company. Because yeah. you corrected it's, it's me. that. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you corrected me on it because I said misery loves company. But then you said misery loves miserable company. And that makes even better sense because it's not only trying to say, OK, I need you here. It's like you need to be just as miserable as me because if you start seeing the greener grass and you want to grow greener grass, that means I have to start fertilizing and start having to manage my grass. Yeah. So if we just destroy all the grass, right. then we don't have to worry about any grass. Yeah, if we just make and, it so nobody has grass, then we can all live together in and, our ungrassed life. And I think that that's what leads to a little bit, like you, you, you got to that point, and I didn't think about it until you actually hit on it. And like like I get, you said it as you're, you're like saying it, you're like, now that I say it out loud, it's leading to two things. And I think that that, two things can lead to the imposter syndrome just just as much as like because you see it in the movies um a, a character starts doing better for himself you know he he gets a new group of friends because he started playing the guitar better joined a band yeah, and, and find now, music friends yeah and find music friends and now he's performing for the popular kids and his his nerdy friends back you know playing dungeons and dragons i'm referring to uh a movie called metalheads um but uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, really good movie. But uh, he, and then you know, so like, or a new guy back in the day, two uh, thousand nineteen ninety nine. Uh, whenever you know he started changing, started wanting to be more of a popular person. His friends look back on him and were like, "Man, you've changed." And they're kind of giving him the the snarl eyes, in which or they'll say like, "That's not you." Yeah, that's thing. not you. You're not. Yeah. You've changed. You're not the same as you used to be. And like you said, it could not be. It may not be meant in a bad situation in in real life. We're talking about movies, but in real life, that might may not be made in a like made out to be bad, but it does come off as bad because that group, it's easier when, when that one person's doing good for themselves, it's easier for those four other people to be like, well, we don't want to change. Yeah. Let's just make them feel really bad about wanting to be better. Like, so, and, and I find like, it's such a horrible like mindset, especially if you're calling somebody a friend. And again, this might not be done consciously. This might be a subconscious thing. And you're like, no one ever says, oh, I don't want my friend to do better than me because then I'll have to do better. If you, if you say that out loud, you know, you're you're a pretty blunt person, first of all, and second, you probably should be working on that thing. Yeah. But um You have a weird a weird twisted level of self awareness. Yeah, that, that you should probably and, and I wanna get to that one because there is that awareness and I think that, that this um that the imposter syndrome does affect those people too. But I think that those people 
are, you know, they, they see a, a friend starting to work out, starting to be more energetic and happy and want to go do, because when you exercise, you lose a little bit of weight, you get that blood flow going, your heart beats better, you're able to move more, you want to do more, you go out hiking more, and then while well, your friends that don't want to go hiking, well, you have to find friends to go hiking or go hiking alone. It's not yeah. good to go hiking alone. You find hiking friends. You go more yeah, hiking. You find with... people on the trails when you're out there. Exactly. And then so then these friends say, oh, well, he's all Mr. Two- Goody Two-Shoes. He got his hiking friends. He's going hiking. That's not a bad thing, but they're making it seem like a bad thing. Right. Why isn't it that these friends are leveling up? Why are they trying to pull him back down? Like, obviously, okay, yeah, it is bad to distance yourself from friends, but it's bad to to allow that distance as well, you know? Yes, the person might, you know, should be more encouraging. Say, hey, yeah, let's go. Let's go. You guys, come on. I feel great. And, you know, encourage those. Let's, let's say it's a group of four friends. Three friends are not working out. One friend is. He's saying, let's go for a hike. Let's go. Let's go. He's encouraging these guys. These guys are like, no, you're too good for us. Let's go eat, you know, out. Let's go to a movie. Let's, I'm not saying these things are bad, but they're, you know, they're just trying to talk him out of the situation he wants to be in. Yeah. So he goes and finds that situation. Now he's off suddenly too good for them. Well, it's not that he was too good for him. It's just, you know, he it's, it's ev- different things. You got to evolve. And I think that if you can find friends that you can evolve with, you won't fall into feeling bad. I mean, you should. And I think that is it, it's it's real shitty friends that have you feeling bad about doing better. If you have people in your life that make you feel bad about doing better for yourself, you really need to reassess that relationship because you really shouldn't feel bad about leveling up that's what it is that's what this life is it's it's about evolving it's about learning how to be better do better and just live longer and if if people are like giving you friction on that i i it's their own personal issue and not yours but then it becomes our personal issue it makes us have these doubts of self-thought like because well that's my friend he knows me better than i know myself what if i am not good enough to to be a a world-class hiker or, right. you know, yeah. go and, and go and start competing or do something. What if I am not that good because my friend said I'm not? Not He didn't come out and say, oh, you're not good enough to do that. But he obviously has his doubts. And we all have friends like that. We know, like, whenever you talk about my biggest thing is my biggest pet peeve is when somebody calls one of my projects little. How's that little project going? How's that little brand? You refer to something like that of mine, I'm not talking to you. You're yeah. done. You're, you're cut off. I am angry with you. And I don't hold resentment, but that you shouldn't talk to people because that, I think, creates that. Well, it is. like It, it makes some, somebody feel unimportant about something that is very important to them. Yeah. And when you belittle that, you crush that person. You're not just show, shooting down like, okay, done with that idea. Let's go on to a next one. You're like, you're stupid. What you care about is unimportant. Now let's, let, let's go in back into our, our negative, unhealthy, easy comfort zone. Yeah. And... I think it, like it is. It is like not wanting to uh, build that rocket ship and get out of that comfort zone. And I, it's much easier to just have your friends around you, like you said, build up well, that. Well, friend- yeah, and I think a part of that is where, you know, when you when you have that friend circle and you've been around them for a long time, that becomes mm-hmm. that's also your your support circle, which it should be, right? Like mm-hmm. your friend circle should be your support circle. What's that? When you start making changes and it makes it seem and it starts to seem like you are going to have to separate from that circle now you're losing that support circle at the same time so now you're not sure already of whether or not you belong in where you're trying to go but now if you get there now you're not sure if you're going to have support which Mm -hmm. usually if you get to a new space there's typically no shortage of support if you're moving anywhere successful like if you go to a new gym typically that's going to be one of the most supportive places you can ever go 
You know, if you if you look at a gym, usually those strongest people at the gym we both talked about are more often than not some of the most helpful people you'll yes, find in the entire building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you are, say, if you're starting to take dance classes and you're the only one in your friend group that wants to take dance classes, those other people that are there are going to be the most supportive people for you in dance. Mm-hmm. And but you don't know that until you get there. So you have to jump over that hurdle. And it's almost like you're taking you're, you're just taking that almost blind leap hoping that you land on your feet on the way down or hoping that, you know, you put the parachute together as you're, as you're falling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you don't know until you get there and you see the support and then you still, then you fall into the, the, the main point of imposter syndrome, which is like, Oh, you've gotten there. You've gotten the support. You found people that you can, that you can associate with. And then you still have that, that thought in your head of, well, what's going to happen when they find out that I don't belong here? Like, are they going to just cut the cord and just pull away? And then I'm here by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, again, typically doesn't really ever happen. Again, just like the gym situation, if you find yourself in a group where they do end up cutting you off for whatever reason, cool, they did you a favor. Now you can take that energy and go find a better group. Yeah, I love that advice. If, if the gym ever laughs at you, if anyone ever hassles you, bullies you at a gym, F that gym. Like, yeah. really. Write it, tell me about it so I can tell them F you too. Yeah. Because I, I really, like, I've never, ever, ever, ever in a gym seen someone go to lift lightweight and a crowd circle around them and start laughing. Yeah. You know, I see that, you see it on social media and I think, you know, there, there's a bodybuilder and motivational uh, influencer, uh, Joey Swole. I don't know if you guys follow him. I don't know if you see what he's been doing lately on his social media, but he has this platform of uh, where he's, uh, it's mind your own business and he's and he's trying to get rid of that stigma that we're talking about like where people are afraid to go in and lift and he's trying to call out people that do bully people in gyms and he's talking about like the guys that film those people that that do the funny lifts that don't know what they're doing and we're trying to develop and i love what he's doing what what kind of movement he's making he's creating this this way of thinking that like instead of filming these people go help them go help them yeah. if you know more than them then go show them this isn't you know, this isn't a, a clowning hour, but I've never seen this. I've never seen, and God forbid, if I ever do see someone filming somebody doing a bad uh, form, I'm going to be in that film. Yeah. I'm going to be walking up to him and talking in that film. Because it, it really, I, but I've never seen it. And I, I think that there is that, like, that worry, like, you know, like, that if we fail, we're... Like we don't want to end up on social media. We don't want to end up on social media. And yeah. we don't, don't want to be uh, like extradited as somebody who just doesn't belong in a gym. Mm-hmm. Because everybody belongs in a gym. Everybody belongs in a gym. A gym is for physical fitness, like building up the this this biomechanical body that we've been given. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, I see people with disabilities in there. And they're working hard. I see, you know... It's for maintenance. It, Same it, way you change the oil in your car. Exactly. It's Yeah, exactly. It's like a garage. You'd walk in yep. with sockets and wrenches and lifts. That's really all it is, but it's meant for this, this, you know, these, this meat, this meat robot this we're carrying. Meat bag we got. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, I, and so it starts, it starts to bring me to the thought that like, okay, we're talking about imposter syndrome, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to think about the lines like me, a person of like mine, I really don't have that much confidence, you know, like in, in maybe in the weight room I do. You know, maybe I would like to lift more. Like I look at those other people. Maybe that's more of a jealousy. Maybe I have more of a, a body dysmorphia. That, but as far as like the imposter syndrome, 
with, like I'm not diagnosing myself. I'm not trying to get everyone to diagnose themselves. But I'm, I look at the fine line of what is modesty, what is being humble, and then what is, you know, you're actually, you know, sabotaging yourself with this thought that thinking you're not deserving of it. You know, like you, no one likes that cocky guy that thinks he can do more than he actually can that, um, you know, I, I, I worked with an individual that like, you know, based on his age and the timeline, I don't think when he, when he would talk, he knew how, that I knew how to add up math really fast and follow a timeline really fast. And I was like, ah, that's kind of, that's kind of not true. But then you have guys like these out here bragging with this cockiness and this full of themselves that's something that's not even true. And then you have this guy who's working so hard at everything he's ever uh, earned and it is true. It's like, it's facts. He, he has what he has, you know, he's worked hard to get there, but he's being humble about it. He's not bragging like the guy who's making it up. So then it's like, what point is that guy not giving himself enough credit or is he holding himself back? And that's what I'm wondering, like, you know, is it, is it the lack of content? Cause obviously, you know, this isn't the bearded uh, barbell psychiatry. This is the bearded barbell uh, podcast. But I think what we're trying to do is raise an awareness towards like, it is good to be humble, but then it also is good to know that you are the shit. Like yeah. you, you, there, you are capable of a lot and you are deserving of a lot. And, and yeah, being confident and, and is one thing. And then, but being, you know, modest, it is good to be modest. You know, I don't get, I feel I don't get hurt because I am modest. Like I do see those guys lifting the gym. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'd love to lift that. But then I step back and I'm like, well, you know, how modest am I though? Like how am I, am I really holding myself back? Am I like, well, I don't lift that big weight. You know, it, it, go, it for me, it goes into that where, okay, now sit back. How are you holding yourself back in this right. sense? Yeah. You know, there's really that fine line between humility and fear, right? Mm. You know, there's, you know, you can, you can take that humility in your accomplishments in the gym where you just say, cool, like I, I accomplished this thing. feels pretty great. You don't necessarily have to broadcast it all over the internet if you want to fine if you don't that's also fine there's a line between that side and then the other side which is you are just afraid of even trying you're afraid Mm -hmm. of even getting started because you don't want to you don't want to fail you don't want to find out that maybe you don't have as much strength as you do which you know really doesn't mean near as much as it sounds like all it means is now you have an opportunity to work on that because our strength isn't fixed. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can develop that. We can build that over time. Mm-hmm. So if you're not as strong as you think or as strong as you hope, awesome. Now you know that. Now you can set a plan, get to work, and then eventually get there so long as you follow the plan and the plan is well laid out. And, you know, really it, it comes down to feeling almost feeling unworthy, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we feel like we don't deserve to be in the gym we feel like we don't deserve to be strong we don't deserve to use barbells or dumbbells or you know whatever like if we're if it's weird like if we're not already super thin or jacked or ripped we may feel like our place is just in the cardio section which Mm -hmm. is completely backwards thinking right because the way that you get to those places and anywhere in between is to actually go to the weight area to that quote big boy room and start playing around with those weights and learning how to use them and learning how to you know, develop this, the skill that is strength and learning how to control weight through space, learning how to control your body through space. And when, you know, over time, 
as you get stronger, there's still, you know, there's still maybe those feelings of, of unworthiness. And that's something that like most other things takes time to work through, you know, like 90% of everything else we say here, it all first comes down to awareness, right? Once you become aware of an issue, now you have the opportunity and the option to work on it if you see fit. So once, you know, you become aware of those feelings of unworthiness, now you have the opportunity to work on that and work your way through it and figure out why you feel that way and figure out how to conduct yourself in a way that you can get through those through those thoughts, right? And feel more confident, like you said, and mm-hmm. feel like you do belong there, which is the actual truth. You know, you do belong in a gym. You do belong on a bike path, on a hiking trail, in, you know, in a park. Wherever you want to go, you belong there. And, you know, a lot of times when we we have these thoughts about unworthiness, typically we didn't put them there. They Mm -hmm. come from somewhere else, right? Maybe they happened real, real subtly. Maybe they happened real early in our life, but they, you know, likely came from somebody that we trusted, you know, a, a parent, an authority figure, a teacher, a school principal, anything like that, right? And it got stuck in our minds and that became our basis of belief. Mm -hmm. And so we find comfort in that because it's known. Like Mm -hmm. it's something that we've carried around for years. So if we just act again, subconsciously, if we act in a way that is in accordance with that belief, things will stay smooth. Things will stay quote unquote happy, right? They'll at least be familiar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though it may not necessarily be the best, it's still known. So we find comfort in something that we know, right? Mm-hmm. If you go down a road and you know that the road is terrible, you may still go down that road just because, well, you know it's terrible. You don't know what the other road is. The other road might be more terrible. It might also be better, but are you willing to take that chance? Uh, you know, my I don't do a lot of the challenges on this podcast, but my challenge on that point would be try that other road and just see, you know? At the end of the day, if you if you try a different road, and it seems worse, you can always go back to the, you can always go back to where you were, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I think you'll find a lot of times when you try that new road, you're going to find that maybe it seems bumpier, maybe it seems worse, but does it only seem that way because it's new or is it actually that way? Like if you took some time and spent some quality time on that road, would it just smooth out over, over a while? I think mm-hmm. it will. Yeah, I think, and I, I think a lot of overthinking goes into, you know, that, and it, it's, I'm, it's kind of a paradox I'm throwing out there, because I'm saying don't overthink by thinking through it, but I really am, like, you know, really look at the facts, you, you mentioned, you know, at a point where we're given a, an opportunity to fail, look at it that way, an opportunity to fail, like, uh, I think if we're afraid to fail. We're setting this glass ceiling on ourselves. We're our, our, our maximum is right there. You know, yeah. right there where we're stopping is where we're going to stay forever if we don't fail. And with, with that, like you, you, you said before, you know, if we fail, then we're going to be excluded. We're going to be, you know, knocked out. We're, we're just, no one's going to want us in, in that situation anymore because we failed. And that's absolutely just complete rubbish. You know, like yeah. we just, and, um, I think with, going and thinking through and saying and saying i have the opportunity to fail i'm gonna like not thinking i'm gonna fail but if i fail i have the confidence like we're talking about to get through that failure yeah with our hard work with what we've been doing and i and i think it, it with the with the 
with the thoughts that we have in our head that feel already feeling like we don't believe uh, belong there we don't feel that we can make it out of that failure but it doesn't allow us to see that we've that's how we've gotten to this point is we failed we got past that point we failed we got past that yeah, point we failed learned, we got, got back up you kept going and yeah. here's and here's a secret about the gym you know you you walk in you see those super strong people those super jack people and mm-hmm. You feel like if you fail, you won't be welcome amongst them. Well, you want to know who in the gym has probably failed the most? It's probably those super strong people. They mm-hmm. had a lot of failures along the way. That's how they learned what doesn't work, either mm-hmm. in the gym or in the kitchen or just regular life. They've been down that failure road countless times. And they've, yeah. they've taken that as an opportunity. They've refined their, their plan. And they've come back literally stronger than before. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, and I, I, I personally yesterday I had uh, two failures on my deadlift, two back to back failures, and I wanted to beat myself up like, oh man, you couldn't get there, but then I was like, look what I just failed on, like you know, like it was it was a weight that usually I've lifted before, but I was beating myself up over it, thinking you know this is well over four hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. It, Put in a perspective. That's what I'm saying. Think before you overthink it. Like yeah. you want to overthink like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. I want to do this. I, this person's going to let that person judge you. Let that person say, unless they, you know, I understand in some work uh, environments, there's somebody who can go and say stuff to a boss and kind of mess you up in your position, but let that person talk, you know, let your actions speak for themselves. And I've, it, it's hard to say that because we're talking about a mental issue right here with the yeah. imposter syndrome, looking at it. But, you know, if you can put in the work, if you can sit there, you know, think about what is really going on and not overthink about what could possibly go on or what is going on outside of that bubble. When you think about, okay, I'm showing up to work on time. I'm cro- I'm crossing my T's, dotting my I's. I'm doing everything I could possibly do right. If I fail, then that gives me an opportunity to see why I fail because I'm not, I have everything. I'm not lying about it. I'm completely honest about everything and I can move forward. I have this confidence. Um... I have this kid that I'm training and I, I got kind of upset with him, not because he's not a good kid and because he doesn't follow the instructions is he, uh, he's training for motocross and, um, I'm going to, I'll go a quick rundown motocross. They need a lot of leg strength, a lot mm-hmm. of leg strength, a lot of core strength. Um, not as much upper body as everyone thinks. He talks about the arm pump. He talks about, you know, he, a lot of things. This kid's 17 years old, does some extreme stuff. He's a top rider in, in, in New Mexico he was talking about how he went to California and got smoked. He was 14th place. He was like, man, I don't know if I, if I can make it to this, the top level of this. I don't know. And I was telling him, you know, I, I, I always talk about Ronnie Coleman because he is a great example. But Ronnie Coleman went from ninth place to first place. Yeah. He didn't go ninth, eighth, seventh. He, you know, he, there we go. Another imposter syndrome. Like he thought he, he was about to quit bodybuilding. Like he loved bodybuilding. He went to, uh, not Lee Haney. Um, his name will come to me later. If you guys know bodybuilding names, it was another guy. He went to his um, he went to his room before a show, and he was like, and he was real stressed out. He said, "Man, I don't know. I've been losing, and I don't know if I belong." And uh, and so what this guy did is got him drunk. You know, he gave him shots of vodka, and that's and the guy's like, "I don't want to take, I don't want to take any kind of, um, you know." any kind of credit for his winning but he went on and he won because he got rid of that that mental block ronnie was having it wasn't a physical block ronnie was having ronnie yeah. is an eight time eight time mr olympia eight time best in the world eight time best in the world and this guy was gonna quit because he was so nervous that he was in ninth place and just could not top 
and he, he, she shot, he shot the list. And, and so I was talking to this kid and this kid is like, I'm 14th in California. I was like, California 14th. Like, think about that though. Yeah. 13 people are better than you. Only 13 people in California, the state of California where extreme sports, I imagine are a huge thing. It's a pretty big state. Yeah. It's a pretty big state. And I mean, it's, it's a money, it's a money field state. So I imagine there's a lot of people doing CrossFit, motocross, (laughs) Um, probably well, probably a lot of people doing crossfit you know it's it's california it's training yeah <laughs> but well, that's uh, where it came from too so yeah and uh and he was he, you know and he and he you know I, I said at the beginning of this episode one thing that i just will make me stop talking to you is when you call something one project of mine little yeah and i that's what made me mad about him is he said he says it's just a dream it's just a dream it's just a funny dream i don't know this kid made me mad when he said that because this kid travels all over the state of New Mexico. Right now, he's in Arizona, um, 17 years old, traveling to, to, to train. Not even a, This isn't even a competition in Arizona. He's yeah. training. In, he traveled. He's traveling all over New Mexico to train. He's, his, uh, his grandparents are, pay, are paying for a gym membership and uh, personal training for him to go weight train. Uh, he drives down. He does a 45-minute to an hour drive uh, every time he goes to train at the gym. Does that drive? No, no complaining. Puts in the first week we worked. It was the first time he had ever been in a gym. First time he ever touched weights. He was, you know, like a, a 135 pound, 17 year old boy. You could picture what he looks like. Yeah. And uh, so he's lifting weights, and it, it was wobbly. It looked like it looked like a baby giraffe trying to li- lift some weights. Three weeks later, this boy's strong. Yeah. He belongs. He's he's like, and he's sitting here doubting himself. I'm like, look at your progression. Look at the hard work you're putting on. If anything, people with just that, that are getting in there with just talent, they don't belong. They need to go start working harder because they can probably be the best in their sport. Right. You know, talent doesn't just get you where just you're not automatically born and somebody comes and taps you on the forehead with a wand and says, you will be Tom Brady. You will be, you know, the top of your sport. Yeah, you no. Gotta work. LeBron James still goes to practice for the NBA. Yeah. Le- yeah. I'm, I wasn't built like LeBron. But you know he he's he could he could be he could be the same. There's a guy that that's built just like him, same height, same muscular build. Probably played basketball in high school. He works at the the corner store from my high, from my from my um my house. Yeah. So it's not about ability. It's not about size. It really it's not about who's meant to be there. It's about you know really just applying that work and believing that your work is worthy of it and that you deserve whatever you want. Yeah. You know, and and really on on the note of criticism you mentioned that you know people you know circling around somebody and laughing at them because they're not as as you know they're quote unquote not strong enough to be in a gym you know one of my favorite quotes about that is i i can never remember who said it but the quote is that criticism never comes from people that are doing better than you Mm -hmm. so you know keep that in mind anytime somebody tries to make fun of you for anything realize Mm -hmm. that if they're making fun of you they're probably not as good as you in that thing or, you know, really at the at the end of the day, they're, they know that there's somewhere that they're lacking, either consciously or unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to distract from that by now making fun of you and putting you in the spotlight so that nobody shines that light on them and they get found out for lacking somewhere that they know that they're lacking. Mm-hmm. You, know, you never, you know, you don't hear about, you know, wrestling again, right? You don't hear John Cena talking bad about any wrestlers. You don't hear The Miz talking bad about any wrestlers outside of <laughs> being The Miz. But you don't hear The Rock talk bad about anybody, you know? And 
they're you know they don't really seem like they're doing too bad for themselves in life <laughs> so no usually like like rap rap music for example when somebody is trying to like lash out at somebody or even even in professional wrestling like even in the, like the the independent scene when somebody's trying to get um up it's the wrong way to go but they i have seen it done they they'll they'll trash somebody who is above them like everyone goes after eminem because he's on top of the hill on the mm-hmm. rapping game so everyone goes after him He's not going after them. Like he goes after them after. He goes but, after them after. Yeah. He puts them right back in the yeah. Right back he, in their he, chair. he shows them why they're right where they're yeah. at. But you know, it, they never go like, oh, well, look at Eminem down there. He hasn't been saying anything. Let's just attack him. No, they're they're gonna go for him because he's gonna mention their name and they're you know, it, like you said, it, it's never mentioned from above. It always comes from you know if somebody's trying to you know somebody yeah. always is trying to gain something from right. from the Jay Z never talks bad about Eminem. Yeah. Right. I think, you know, and here here I want to kind of segue because I was like starting to think about this one where, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll look at myself and I'll be like, okay, look, you're not looking too bad. Like, I kind of like the way you look. And I'll look down and I'll be like, oh, but look at your love handles. Or look at, you know, look at that extra fat. One issue I have, and it is a big symptom of the imposter syndrome. Again, I'm not diagnosing myself. Don't want anyone out there diagnosing themselves or, you know, going through without, you know, the proper procedures. But... One thing I notice is the the in, like not able to take compliments. Somebody mm-hmm. comes and says, "Hey man, you're looking really good." I I don't know, you know. I'm just and I I for me that's one thing. You know, people compliment me. And I'm like, "Oh hey, you too." Yeah. Like you know, like I or I'll try to and I'm not saying I'm not trying to put that on me. Like oh I'm so humble. I practice so much humility. It's it really is that uncomfortable feeling and and not just for me but for somebody who is feeling that. Like if if you are on a weight loss journey and somebody's saying, "Hey." You've been losing weight. I noticed that. I know there's a side, uncomfortable, like there's a side note to that. But um, but sometimes you're feeling like you sat there and you've talked so much shit in your own head to yourself that when somebody says, hey, you're actually looking pretty good, all that hard work, you know, I don't know. Because maybe in your mind, you're not working hard enough yeah. and you don't think you deserve the results you have. And, you know, there's sometimes you have to back off and say, look, dude, um, I might not be the weight I want, but look how good I am. And I, I know we've talked about this. I know we've talked about looking at other results. Yeah, look at how far I've come. But I think that that's what, this is exactly why we do this. Is so you're not sitting there thinking like, well, you know, somebody gives you a compliment and you're not deserving of it. You're deserving of it. Like, we were talking about how easy it is for somebody to give a negative comment, like how hard it is for somebody to, or how easy it is to just, for somebody below you or somebody who's jealous, somebody who's upset, miserable, don't like something about themselves, how easy it is for them to lash out an, an untrue or over-embellished remark about yourself. Yeah. It, imagine how, un, how hard it is for somebody to walk up and say, man, you look really good. You've been working hard. I think that that should hold value, but we don't hold value to that. It's a very hard thing because we've been beaten up so much that, you know, this value like of this... You know, this this rose out of all these weeds. Yeah. And we're like, well, still just a rose. And I think I think that comes down to the fact that we all have a certain degree of, of a confirmation bias in our minds, right? Mm-hmm. We have a belief, so we tend to seek out things that confirm that so that we feel better about our opinion because then we feel more right about that. Like everybody's guilty of it. I am, you mm-hmm. know. It's it's I think it's all inclusive to everybody on earth. We have that bias. So when we, as you said, when we are used to talking badly about ourselves or when we have been in an environment where we've just gotten a lot of negative opinions about ourselves, that becomes the bias that we seek to confirm. Whether 
we are doing it consciously or not. So when somebody tries to come through and they pay us a positive compliment, we have trouble accepting it because it goes against the narrative that we've been telling ourselves for years or decades in some cases. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, it's, it's unfortunate because the longer that it's been there, the harder it is to break out and to redirect that bias. And this is true for just about anything in the mind, right? The longer it's been there, the harder it is to, to rewire it. And, but again, if you have awareness that that's what's going on, now you at least have that conscious control where you can say, you get that positive compliment and you, you know, you can, you may still feel uneasy about getting it, but you at least have more of a, of a conscious approach where you can at least show gratitude to whoever just paid you that compliment. Maybe you don't accept it as well as you would like, but again, you know, we're falling into that trap of, of feeling like we should be doing something mm -hmm. when, you know, really that's an opportunity to look at yourself and, and dig in and go, cool, they just paid me a positive compliment. You know, why isn't that feeling better than it is? Like, why do I feel uneasy about it? You know, it can dial, it can come right back and say, cool, because you don't feel like you belong here, right? So we go right back into, from confirmation bias, we circle that right back into imposter syndrome. And so now we can dig in and have those conversations with ourselves, with a therapist, with, you know, anything like that, close friend. And we can start talking about why we don't feel like we deserve that compliment. Yeah. Or is it unworthiness? Is it low confidence? What's going on there? And I just thought of a thought process to go through, like when, oh, based on compliments, if you get a negative or critic, like there's constructive criticism, you know, and few it, these days it's hard to tell which is which, but when you get criticism, in general, when somebody's making a negative remark towards you or whatever you're doing, just know they're trying to they're they're trying to gain something with that. They mm -hmm. there's some kind of gain to that. When somebody pays you a compliment, unless you're handing out money, there's nothing really they can gain from that. There's really maybe they make themselves feel better by handing out a compliment. It does feel good to like make somebody else feel better about themselves. But other than that, when they're saying, "Hey, you're doing a great job." I mean, yeah, that might have a, a trickle effect for them. Like, okay, I'm motivating this guy. He's going to be doing better. He's going to do a better job for me, and I'm going to benefit from that. That could be a benefit. That could be a gain from it. But more so, we were talking about the negative gains. Like, you know, somebody talks, you know, you're not so strong. Well, why are you going to the gym? You're just going to eat bad anyways. Why are you doing this? Why are you going on and on? They have something to gain. You know, it's that misery loves miserable company. It's it's that, it's, it's that grass. It's that yeah. ungrassiness. Yeah. And but whenever they say, hey, I notice you've been working really hard. I notice you you're really starting to smash your goals and you're really happy about it. That I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. They have nothing to gain from that other than feeling good, like I said. Yeah. Or maybe you might be more productive and they might benefit from that. But I don't think that that's the gain as like it was of a negative. Yeah. So it, when you are paid a, a, a compliment. Just know that that's coming from a place that you're owed, mm -hmm. you know, like they're, they're, they're not trying to gain something from that, from that remark. They're trying to give you something. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, if you, if you think about it in both situations, if they're, you know, dishing out a negative compliment, uh, compliment or paying out a positive one, they're still trying to gain pretty much the same thing, although different routes to get there, right? Like they're trying to feel better mm -hmm. and well, that's the benefit they get is they'll feel better, right? They may not necessarily be trying to get that consciously but that's what they'll get when they're paying out a negative compliment they're going to end up feeling better because now if it succeeds they'll you know it'll slow you down or stop you from getting your goals so now they feel better about not going after their goals 
if they are somebody that's coming from a good place, they'll feel better because now they've seen that they've helped boost somebody else's morale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which of those is, is on paper, in life, in practical, all that. Which of those is better, right? Obviously, the compliment coming from, usually it's going to come from the person that's doing well, too. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's a big sign right there that you can tell where a person is in life. Are they giving out more negative compliments or negative compliments? Are they giving out more negative criticisms or are they paying out more compliments to people? Yeah. And with as far as like taking compliments and um, people giving them and I think if, if you notice, it goes back to like, uh, you know, coming from below, like the, the, the negativity and the criticism coming from below you. Uh, because if, if somebody's criticizing what you're doing or, you know, they're complimenting, what, if they're remarking anything you're doing, whether it be positive or negative, that means you're making an impact in some way. That means you're doing something a little bit different because you get noticed, you know, there's all, there's all the, you know, there's the crowd and you can get drawn on the crowd if you're normal and, and, and no one talks about the, no one ever says, hey, look, that guy's doing the same exact thing as me. No, 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 no. I'm going to talk crap about that. That guy's doing, you know, they're going to, if, if you're doing something that's different, if you're doing something that's making an impact or doing, you know, some noticeable changes and somebody comments about that, that means you're, you're, it's obviously noticeable. You know, it's always, there's obviously, there's obviously some, uh, I think there's a, another thing for me is, um, you never know who's watching and, and I, but when people do pop out and you get the most random, even criticism, I think now when I get the most random criticism, I get so excited. I was like, wow, that guy was thinking about me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Whoa, what did I do to get on his radar? Like, and, um, and it, and it goes to what you're saying. Like, I, you know, I got some criticism last, uh, last week and I, it, it actually made me happy. Like, I didn't even think about the words that the person said. I was like, I didn't even know this person. I forgot this person was on my friends list. I forgot this person. I don't want to say I forgot they exist, but like this person and it wasn't just, you know, a normal person coming. I was somebody from a position and they came out and, and it was, it wasn't bad criticism, but it was criticism. I was like, wow, <laughs> I got the attention. Like, and that kind of made me feel better. Cause then it, it, I didn't, I'm not just falling into, you know, falling into the crowd. I'm not, I'm actually sticking out because I'm actually doing work and something I'm actually, different yeah. and, and my face is getting out there my my you know my my words are getting out there so this person caught on to it yeah and they if, if i wasn't making the impact that i was making this person would have not mentioned me they would they, they would have went about their day and willie otero would have never come across their mouth but since i'm doing positive since i am they they, they looked at theirs and like well he's moving pretty fast i have to say something to kind of slow that down which it didn't yeah but it you know and their their intent but it really and I think the takeaway, what I'm trying to prove here is just, just let it feel like you deserve to feel good. And if somebody's talking about you, then I mean, regardless of what they say, like it's like they say, bad publicity is uh, publicity, uh, yeah. or good publicity. Like, I really think that's great unless you're trying to run a business and what you did for bad publicity is really bad. But no, if somebody's talking crap about you, look, I didn't even think about Eminem until MJ or MJ. Um, Machine Gun Kelly came after him. And they were like, oh, did you hear about Machine Gun Kelly? He went after uh, Eminem. I was like, well, that's stupid of him. What's Eminem? <laughs> well, what is Eminem up to these days? Yeah. And it, it, you know, it made me think about Eminem. And now, boom, he's, he's back in the headlines. Now he's back in the rotation. Yeah. Yep. And, and so negative comments, like I, I think that that's what we're talking about here is just going from that conscious thought. Like, okay, don't let them beat you up. 
let them let them lift you up here because now we're trying to get that mindset of you're deserving of all this and if you're putting in that hard work towards your goal then you're just as worthy as somebody else doing it right i have a i have a quote that i'd like to read and i think we can end on that note Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's from theodore roosevelt it it talks about criticism it's called the man in the arena so some people may have heard this because i think it's getting popular lately but if you haven't i would love to take a couple minutes and read it out for everybody listening so the quote goes it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly who errs who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Well, there's our episode, guys. <laughs> I love that quote. That 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 was really like, if that if that didn't tingle in you guys, I don't know what will. But that that was a, a great quote because it really brought to what we're saying. Do the work. I mean, it's 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 not the guy who's saying, talking about the guy who's doing the work. It's yeah. it's, it's it's you. It's it's what you're working towards, and it matters. And that's all that matters is. Yeah, we all know those armchair quarterbacks who, you know, mm-hmm. Monday morning after a game, they're like, oh, I would have done this different. I would have done that different. Mm-hmm. If I was coach, I would have blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, cool. But you're not the coach. You're not under that pressure. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should listen to what the coach is doing and focus on what the team is doing instead of what you are, are you know, armchair booking from, you know, your, your $30 seat way up in the stands. Yeah, that's uh, – my, my brother had a quote for that because we uh... – I'm about to make like half our uh, listeners not like me. Uh-oh. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, guys. And <laughs> and uh, we, you know, so we get, you know, being a Dallas Cowboy fan, you get a lot of criticism and you get, and then watching just sports in general, you see like, oh, we should have done that. We should, oh, like we're seeing it from perspective on the screen that we see both teams, all 22 players on the field, all referees. We see the whole perspective. Mm-hmm. We're not just seeing it from one single person's perspective where he can only see five, four or five people. Yeah. And one of his quotes was, oh, he should have done this. If he would have done this, if he would have done that. And he's like, if you do it so good, go do it better. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, it's just if you can do it so much, there you go. Be my guest. I'm sure. I'm sure the team would love to replace the coach with you yeah. if you are in fact a better coach. Yeah, I've always thought that. Like, how can you know um, a, a a nation of of a bunch of drunk guys watching a game at a bar know more than a guy that's professionally done it for his life of forty years? Yeah, you know, it, it really. So, and I think the takeaway from that is just drown that out. That those are those those armchair quarterbacks. Those are the guys that say, "Oh yeah, you should." Because anytime you go to do something, your diet or something, oh, you should, you should, and you hear these. Or why are you worried about that? Why are you, this is what I did and it wasn't that bad. It's it's easier to say stuff when you're on the outside yeah. of the of just, the arena. Just, just think about where the criticism, where the advice is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about you know when they interview the coach and the coach says, "Hey, we should have done this better or we could have done this instead." The coach probably knows what's mm-hmm. going on, and they're probably right. But if you're listening to you know somebody that was up in the chief seats that are like, oh, the 
you know, that player should have done that. Okay. Why don't you go out there and show us how to how it's done? Oh, they won't let you onto the field. Yeah. Got it. Because you haven't practiced your whole life. Yeah. Um, I want to go to Wayne's World real quick. I'm going to give another quote. Coach Tony gave you your big intellectual quote. I'm going to give you a quote from Quint Wayne's World. <laughs> it was whenever he first meet, meets Cassandra, the his girlfriend later on in the movie. She performs the set, Crucial Taunt, mm-hmm. and he goes and sees her, falls in love. They're talking on the rooftop. And he's telling her, man, you're amazing. Your band's really good. You sing great. He's giving her all these compliments. And she's like, nah. And, uh, and she says, nah, I'm not that good. And he says, he says something like, if... Or no, she says something, if I get this, or if. She uses the word if, and then she goes, and if frogs had wings, they wouldn't uh, bump their ass every time they hop. And I thought about that. I was like, that's great. Like, because they're beating themselves if, if. And it's like, I've already said, like, well, you know, when you start thinking, if this happens, well, what if, what if? Well, if, if frogs had wings, they wouldn't bump their ass every time they hop. So, yeah. Like, true, but they don't have wings. So yes, they do don't. That. So, yeah. yeah. So, we got to move on from this. There's yeah. ifs. You can just, let's, let's eliminate that if, and let's let's go with the hardcore facts of what's happening in the situation. Yeah. Look at the facts. That's one of the that's one of the tips that they say for imposter syndrome, is identify the facts. Where, like, And that's, like, when I, back to that kid, real quick, I, I told him, look at this hard work. Like, when I, that's why I mentioned why he's driving all over the place. Mm-hmm. Look at the hard work you're putting in. You know, if you're in a spot where you're not, you think you're not supposed to be, and you didn't put in that hard work, and you're kind of like, "Well, my best friend, you know, was is the the CEO, and he just kind of put my name on a paper, and I have no idea that that okay, you don't have imposter syndrome, you don't belong there. Yeah, but you'll it, you'll get weeded out in enough time. Yeah, it's it, fine. Quickly enough. Don't, yeah, don't worry about but, it. But but no, if you're if you're putting in that trying effort, if you're that guy with the dust on your face, that blood on your your hands, and you're putting in that effort. Only you knows what matters to you, really. And yeah. that, that goes back to that that quote through it right perfectly. If you look at the facts, and you, it, it only matters to the person who's trying. Yeah. And you go through the facts. Don't overthink. And that's the that's the remedy. That's the answer to overthinking. Go yeah. do the thing. Because yeah. if you're doing it, you're not thinking about it. Yeah. And then at the, end of, at the end of the day, you're going to have way more information from having done the thing, even if you did it and failed, mm-hmm. than if you just spent that day constantly thinking about your what-ifs and, and what-ifs and trying yeah. to put wings on a frog yeah yeah because if the, if the frog had wings it wouldn't bump his ass yeah, every time he exactly so we're well gonna... coach let's head on out for the week where can where can everybody find you oh they can find me on uh, good old facebook um i am on my personal page at uh at willie otero um that's my personal page right there guys if you need some support anybody in your corner add me i'll be right there to to cheer you on if you feel you have no one in your corner to cheer you on I also have a group, new group starting out, um, still uh, getting it going. So if you would, please just go and uh, ask to join it. We're, we're goal crushing there. It's called Goal Crushing with Will, Accountability and Motivation. Coach Tony is a member of that as well. And we're just trying to, the real aim is there is just trying to create a, a support group. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a self, um, it's kind of a selfish thing for me because I need a lot of accountability myself and keeping up with a lot of stuff. So I kind of created this to kind of create a support group so I can feed off you guys. You guys can feed off me, feed off each other. And yeah, where can we find you? So links for every place where you can find Coach Will are going to be in the show notes as well as links for where you can find me. You can find me on Facebook at Tony Davis. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Tony Davis Coaching. I also have a group on Facebook. If you head up to that search bar and type in 
macros mindset and metabolism you will find my group coach willie is in that group as well just like i'm in his and both groups were we're working on helping people accomplish their goals we're giving Mm. out info we're giving out tips for fitness for health Mm. and yeah again links for all that will be in the show notes yeah guys we're not just rambling over here we're trying to give you as much resources free resources as you can possibly use this this podcast let us know if there's any information that we could cover that would help you further go to uh, go to our facebook let us know go to our instagram let us know if you guys need a tag team the best tag team in podcast right now the bearded barbell podcast tag team mm-hmm. yeah we are in your corners guys we'll make we'll make this a triple we'll make this a triples match you know you, you gotta you got you got a six-way tag man whatever you got in your your your, your face We'll back you up. We're in your corner, guys. Yep, Use us for support. We're here each and every week. You can find new episodes every single Monday. Mm-hmm. If you like us, give us a like, give us a review. If you know of somebody in your life that might benefit from the things we're talking about, mm-hmm. share the show to them, and we would greatly appreciate it. Listen and share, guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye.